You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it's Tony Howell, digital strategist for artists, and I am so excited to welcome you to this podcast. Today, we're going to have a conversation with Broadway's Christina Alabado. She is currently starring as Miss Gretchen Wieners in Mean Girls, but her resume is diverse with Broadway, TV, film, voiceover, concerts, developmental work, originating, replacing, understudying at amazing places beyond Broadway, such as the New York Theater. Theater Workshop, La Mama, Atlantic Theater Company, Art, Long Wharf, La Jolla, and more. I thought Christina is the perfect guest because we are wrapping up hashtag Latin Future Month and we're heading into October's hashtag Business Future Month. Christina has experienced the highs and the lows of a life in the arts and we discuss it all. Growing up in the theater, juggling life, marriage, auditions, even rejections. I am so excited to share this conversation with you, and I can't wait to hear your thoughts on the other side. Hi, Christina. Thank you for being here. Hey, Tony. It's so good to see you slash hear you. It's been a while. (laughs) It has been a while. So for those that don't know, Christina and I did the national tour of Avita for, what was that, 2014, 2015? Yes, I think 2013. I don't know now. Oh my God. Long time ago. It was a ball. It was, it was, it was a rainbow tour. She's amazing. And I'm so thrilled to have you here on the podcast. I'm so happy to be here. So people who don't know, you are Gretchen Wieners on Broadway in Mean Girls. <laughs> I am. so freaking fetch. So can you just give us the, the brief history of what led you to this moment. So how you fell in love with theater and, and how you got to where you are right now. Yeah. Quick life story. I was born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, I lived there. I graduated high school and started, um, uh, going to school at Arizona state university. I was studying musical theater and then I transitioned into just studying acting, but I was only there for under a year because I booked the national first national tour of spring awakening in 2008. So that was kind of, you know, I like impulsively flew to Boston and auditioned in an open call. I was like sitting in the snow. I was number six at 6am and they checked us in at 10am. It was crazy. Um, and I actually booked it. So I always tell young people like, Sometimes those do work out, even though it seems like a crazy cattle call and like impossible. It, I mean, that show was very specific because it wanted raw teenagers, but I took a chance and it worked out. 
Um, so from there, I did that tour for two years. I moved to New York. I gave myself, even at that age, I said, girl, you have two years. And if you don't book another job, your butt is back in school. I like at 20 was like, that's what's happening. Um, and I booked my Broadway debut five months later in a green days, American idiot. When I was 21, I think I had turned 21 already. Um, <clears throat> and then from there, just lots of new work, a lot of off Broadway stuff, um, and development stuff, regional development stuff. Um, and then a couple more Broadway shows. And now here I am Gretchen Wieners. Shazam! <laughs> and there's plenty of highlights in there that I, I just want to say, y'all, like she's underselling herself. There's some huge, incredible things. <laughs> um, so I, I'm just curious. I want to rewind. You toured with Kate Fuglai. Yes, I, I hope did. I'm saying her last name. I adore her. So she is such a wonderful spirit. Did you? Were you very connected on the road? Yes. Oh my gosh. I loved Kate. You know, it was, the show is interesting. It's all these young, young people. And then the two adult adult characters in the show and their covers. So I got to know four um, plus four, five, six, because there were some replacements in there, older like people that I looked up to. I totally look up to Kate Fugli. She was such an amazing energy when she came into our company and I still stay connected with her every once in a while. Now, I mean, she lives LA, I'm pretty sure. So um, I don't see her all that often, but like her spirit and her warmth, especially again, now that I'm an adult, I wonder what it would be like to be on a tour with a bunch of kids. <laughs> so um, all of them, her and Henry Stram and Angie, I mean, all those adults that I, I looked up to all of them so much at that time as like a young person wanting to do what they are doing. And I want to say yes to all of that. I love Kate. And I just wanted to throw her a shout out while you and I were yes, in the room Kate. together. Uh, <laughs> so let's go back to that moment. And was that a difficult decision for you and your parents of saying, I'm going to take this job and do this and leave school? Yeah. You know, it was one of those things. I was a very um, in my youth in doing theater. And once I really decided this is what I want to do, I'm very serious about it. Just my personality at that age. And sometimes I look back and I say, gosh, where did that come from? But it is what makes me, I think, continually be successful and get past the difficulties of this. Even at 16, 17, I was like, I want that. I want Broadway. I want New York and I will get it no matter what it takes. And that was my entire goal going into college. I was like, I want to get out of here as fast as possible. I, that didn't mean I thought that I was, you know, God's gift. I just was like, I want to learn by doing. And so I immersed myself in class as much as I could and, and in community theater productions in the Valley to learn as much as I could. And then I was watching the Tonys in 2006, I think is when, or 2007 when Spring Awakening won. And I saw that performance and I remember being like, that's my show. I feel it in my bones. I belong on that stage because they were singing rockier and that was always my thing. I never really sang much like classical stuff. I was always a little more pop rocky. And so I like almost feel like I manifested it by saying it at 17. Um, and then everything just kind of fell in line. But when I did book the job, I, there was no hesitation. I was like, this is it. This is what I wanted at the end of my four years in school. Um, and my parents were so right there with me. Of course, a little bit. They're like, well, wait, are you getting paid? Like, are you getting paid? Is this like a real thing? Like, and, and, you know, obviously yes. And they, when they were, they were, I remember when I was like, yeah, this is what I'm making. They were like, 
what? <laughs> they were like, oh yeah, go, 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 go. This is a real job. <laughs> um, so it really was easy. It was an easy decision. And um, like I said, though, when I got back, I knew and I had the wherewithal to know I'm young. I didn't go to school. There's a lot to learn. I learned a so much on that tour. I was a swing. So the education I got in the two years, I always say I went to college at Spring Awakening School. <laughs> um, but with that, I knew I needed to come to the city and be immersed in acting classes and singing lessons and dance classes because I was still 20 and hadn't really gone to college. So I wasn't, you know, I always tell young people, I didn't just leave college to leave college. I left college for a really good job and knew that I had continual learning I needed afterwards. There's so much there that I want to unpack. So I'm going to start. You talked about the idea of manifesting. And I know from your Instagram that you have some some practices um, just to maintain balance and self-care. So what are your mindset ways that you really like take care of yourself, whether it's auditioning or performing? Like how are you do practicing self-care? Yeah, that's something that is like number one on my list of priorities. Like even above anything else in this business, that's the f- number one for me. I went through some years of very difficult anxiety, some dep- like some really dark times in this career it's very, especially as a young person, I moved here without my parents. I was 20 by myself in the city. I had my friends from the tour, but I didn't have a community here. And I wasn't used to that because on tour, you know, it's like a family Family. and everyone is with each other, good and bad. But when you get to the city and you're 20 years old with your family across the country and everyone scatters, you're like, oh, I'm alone and I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm afraid. And that is honestly how I started my time here. And so I got into therapy very quickly. Like the minute that I t- like landed in New York from tour, I was I started working with a therapist that I love still to this day. Um, and I really read everything. My main thing when I was young was I read every book I could. Buddha is a like a every Buddhist book I could find. The Power of Now, um, the Four Agreements, like everything that I felt I that is my practice is reading. And, and also, um, uh, I don't know what the word is. Like you pound it in. And even when you've read it, you read it again. I, I'm trying to think of what I, it's like continual, like, I don't know what I'm trying to Repetition, say. Repetition, affirmation. Yes, yes, I guess so. And just like remembering what those are. And it's a practice. And that's what I always tell young people when I coach or when I'm teaching class or doing Q and A's is that you have to practice your mindfulness. And also you have to practice like beating your own brain, like, like winning. Um, cause it, it is a game. It is a continual game. And so that's been a huge focus for me is reading and meditating and some journaling, though journaling kind of goes in and out for me. Sometimes it helps me. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, but it's something that is a huge part of me and my husband's life. And I think that's one of the reasons that we connected really strongly is that we both, that's just so important. It's the most important thing. It makes you a better human. It makes you a better actor. It makes you a better friend and partner. And um, I will never stop that. And even now, like always reading something, Spirit Junkie. I love Gabrielle Bernstein. Always a Super Soul Sunday in my ear. Like I just really believe in that stuff. I love that. So there's, again, I'm just like, oh, so many questions. (laughs) Um, Let's zoom in. You're married now. So congratulations. Thank you. So for anyone with a limiting belief that they, you know, career first, career first, relationships later, what would you say to them? You know, it's a balance. It's a real balance. The the relationship I was in before sort of wasn't the same. It it didn't feel like 
it, it didn't feel balanced. And I will say when I met my husband, it, it was so clear that you can have both and that you should have both and that you need both. Uh, again, not only as a spouse, but as an actor, it's, it's really both ways. And I think our relationship together is full support, but also we take our marriage so seriously. And like, there's something so comforting in a business that is so not consistent and not stable to have stability. I never necessarily thought that that would be so calming to me. And, and the thing that keeps me even like, I have a lot of techniques and how to get over not getting a job or whatever, but like the main one is that I have my family, which is my husband and he is my rock and I'm his. So it, it goes both ways. Um, and I believe, you know, in the 10 years, 11 years I've been doing this, that you can't just put this first. It, it does, it wears on you in a way that can be totally detrimental. And also you won't make it because there's too much at stake with everything. And life, again, with all everything that I practice, life is so important and sacred. And life is not just your job in any career. It can be easy in ours in acting to feel that way because it's high stakes all the time, so much rejection. But it is life is is still life. And so finding a partner that believes in the same things as I do and works as hard as I do as an actor was like the universe being like, here you go. You guys are supposed to be together and help each other through this, all of this. I'm really happy to hear that. And thank you for for sharing the best and uh, the lows with us as well. So you moved to New York very young and and now you've been in this business for a decade. (laughs) Uh, I do want to ask you because... Yeah, you you fast tracked here. So, I, I'm sure there have been many many teachers, uh, both in craft, business, spirituality, etc. Can you give us the top three people who have had the biggest influence on your life? Yeah, you know, um, I always talk about my high school drama teacher, Christina Vale. Um, I moved high schools in the middle, so I don't. It's not to discredit any of the other drama teachers and theater teachers I had. All of them made an impact on me from every choir teacher, band teacher, music teacher, dance teacher throughout my entire education. Um, But Christina Vale, when I moved high schools, she was such a champion of mine. She still is. She still is to this day. Um, She just encouraged me so much to be myself and to do what I thought was right for me. I think she, you know, when you hear a kid in school say like, I want to do Broadway, I think she really was like, you're going to do it. Like, and even talking to her now, we are friends still. She comes to all my shows. Um, I talk to her. She's she's such a great person. But I remember I didn't get the lead. I, I'll never forget this. I, she didn't cast me as the lead in the show at school. And me being the feisty, like, I'm going to do this, I auditioned for High School Musical in our community theater version of High School Musical. And I got Gabriella. And I went into her office and I was so afraid. And I was like, I'm going to drop out of the school show and she is going to hate me. Like, what am I doing? But I need to do this. (laughs) And she was like, this is what you should be doing. Go do that. And like, you know, that's her show at school. Like, that's really important to her. So she's just always been a huge champion of me. And she believed in me and she made me feel like I could do it. And I didn't have an easy time in school. I was bullied and I did not have a lot of friends. I think part of that was transitioning to a new school. And part of it was just the luck of the draw. I was not a popular kid. I was not very, I did not have a good social circle or social experience in high school. And she was really helpful with that for me. Um, 
So she always believed in me, even when the theater kids were not nice to me. And that's weird because usually the theater kids are the ones that are your friends. And I didn't have a great experience with that. So I love her. I'll always, she'll always be my, my number one. The other one is an English teacher. His name's Patrick Horton, same school and same vibe. I was bullied pretty intensely, um, by the popular kids in school. And I remember the specific moment it was, I was hazed pretty bad publicly, um, in my English class. Uh, I don't know why I sometimes even now I'm like, why were these girls so fixated on making me miserable? Um, and he, long story short, I don't need to get into it, but they did, they made a satire piece about me. It was a project in English. Um, and they made a video mocking me and dressed up as me and he kicked them out of class and failed them. But I remember um, in that project, but he pulled me aside. I was obviously very upset. Um, and he said, I don't, I don't remember the exact quote. He writes it. Every time I see him, he writes it in a card. He said, mm-hmm. um, those bitches are not even going to know what comes to them when you are like the star of the world. Like, and this was my English teacher, like in high school. I mean, he was so like, he was such a believer in me as well as a performer. And, and he loved Broadway. I remember. And, and he just was like, don't let them get you down. Like they have no idea what you're going to do with your life. Like, and to hear that from an adult who did not need to say that. And I, I I could cry. He, he doesn't even realize what he did for me because that's hard at 16 to have be treated that way. Um, and yeah, he was just such a huge, he, he, I hope he li- maybe he'll listen to this and I can't tell him enough how much he impacted my life as, as an adult and someone that will never, never treated anybody like that, especially because he validated how I felt. It was amazing. The third one are is prob- probably my parents. I mean, they, they never once batted an eye at anything that I said I wanted to do or accomplish. It was always yes. And yes, you can. And they're both, they're both immigrants. So they're not, they didn't grow up with this idea that you could have anything you want, but they knew that I could. And that is the coolest thing that they could have given me such a gift. Um, my dad is a musician, so he understood like the art stuff, but you know, to have this as a career, never once a, but what if, but are you gonna, but how are you gonna, like, it was just like, go do it, go. And it was just so special. So I love hearing all of that. You won the parenting lottery. It sounds like. I really and did. Also, I don't, I don't like your high school <laughs> classmates, but, but look where you are now in the story that you get to tell. So circling back to Mean Girls, um, I'm so sad that I haven't been able to see the show and that I may not be able to. Oh I'll, I'll try to get over to New York. But um, I know that also that audiences love you and that you were nominated for an Audience Choice Award from Broadway.com. And I just have to throw out these names. Let me let me throw these out for people. Besides Shoshana Bean, Mallory Bechtel, Laura Benanti, and Jessica Vosk. So... <laughs> What is your advice for other actors who find themselves in the position of being a replacement, of portraying a you know loved character from a film, of stepping into an understudy or a swing position? How do you how do you approach that as an actor? Yeah, it's a it's a specific thing. I've replaced again. I replaced in two thousand eleven with American Idiot. Most of my career, however. Um, has been creating things off Broadway, a lot of workshops, a lot of development. And I love that more than anything. Um, and so replacing is a different game. Um, I also understudied and swung 
for the first half of my career. Um, but replacing specifically is this weird game you play with yourself where you're like, okay, I'm stepping into something that has been created, which is amazing. In this instance, created by two people, Lacey from the movie, the Gretchen, Lacey Chabert, um, the Gretchen Wieners in the movie and Ashley Park, my dear friend, incredible actor that I totally look up to. Um, and how do you step into these shoes without trying to feel like you need to make a carbon copy of something that exists, but make it your own, but also still pay homage to the legacy that was before you. Um, so in this instance with Mean Girls, even from the beginning, from my audition, I did it. I did exactly that. I knew what was before me. I respected everything about what was before me. And I also knew that I wouldn't be successful if I tried to copy that. We never can be. There's no way because it's not authentically you, it's authentically them. So I took what I could from it and then I just <clears throat> stripped it all away and did it as me as Gretchen Wieners. Not me trying to be Ashley, trying to be Lacey as Gretchen Wieners, just me. Knew some of, I, I remembered some of the blocking. I remember the ideas, the overarching idea of what it needed to be. Um, and then from there, it worked out because of exactly that. I was me, you know? Um, and through the, through the rehearsal process and everything, they never, they were so good about, you need to do this because this is what it is, but you should do your own spin on it. Or we love how you do that. It's not how someone else did it, but you're, we're loving how that's coming out of you. Um, and then sometimes like, you're trying it this way. I actually think it worked better the way she did it. So try it. And it was just such this awesome, creative, like safe space to like combine all the greatness before me and the greatness that I was trying to do. And it, it ended up being something that I think is super successful. And that doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes replacing is you need to do exactly what that person did. And that can be really challenging. I did not have this experience with this show. Um, and I feel really lucky for that. And I think that no matter what, you have to go in with that mindset that you are you. And I respect everybody before me more than anything. And with that will come like the creative process that is good for you and good for the show. So let's zoom in on that audition moment, preparing and then having the final callback. I don't know who was in the room, but <laughs> what I can say, um, I believe Tina and Casey and Mary Mitchell Campbell were all in the room, probably many others. Um, and then I also know you've worked with crazy people like David Bowie and others. So the real question is, how do you, Christina, handle these high stakes situations that, that a successful actor will find themselves in. Yeah. Um, so this final was, yes, the, the boss lady herself, Tina Fey, um, was there side note. She is the most incredible person, not only as a boss, as a colleague, as a person that, uh, like, <sighs> Sorry, I'm getting mixed up for words. She's so amazing because she is the comedian lady of the the comedian of the world. And she is so gracious and humble and cares so much about Mean Girls, about me, about her show. She, you know, I and my friends at the show that were in the original cast tell me all the time she was there every day in the process. She was there so much during BCF, BCEFA this year. 
and she cast me. And so she's amazing. And I literally could sing her praises for hours. Um, but she was in the room. It was incredibly intimidating. I was scared. Um, I was like, oh my God, if she doesn't laugh at me, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, and not only her, but obviously legend, the legendary Casey Nicola, Jeff, our you know, who wrote the music, Tina's husband and, and Casey, the, uh, Casey, Casey's assistant's name is Casey as well, who I know very well. And, um, and so, and Mary Mitchell, who's like the greatest. So I was like, okay, just do it. Like, just get it done. Like you can do this. But the great thing is that Gretchen's super anxious. She's super nervous. She just wants everyone to like her. So to be totally honest, this audition, I got to lean into that and it totally worked out because I was so scared. Um, <laughs> but you, yes, I've, you know, I've, I've been in the room with these big people with, you know, yes, David Bowie is one of the things I never expected to happen in my career was being in the same room as David Bowie. Um, and my stories with David are very specific. You know, I, did his musical that he wrote right before his death called Lazarus. And he was involved in that and involved, he took a like very special liking to me um, that I will never forget. I did the reading of it and he kind of zoomed in on me. He loved my voice and he had me doing demos um, with, with him. Like it, it was it was so weird that that was a part of my experience that I got to have even just a moment with David, um, another amazing guy. But how to deal with like that kind of pressure is just like remembering that Tina Fey is a human being and David Bowie is a human being. And we're all just trying to do the same thing, which is like get go through this life and be creative. And, you know, I think if I even with casting directors, I'm like, I don't want to be intimidated by you. You're just a human like me, like, and you want me to succeed. You do, because why would you want me to fail? Um, and so I do try to talk myself into like, just be a person meeting another person instead of a person meeting a famous person or a person meeting your idol or something. Um, that can be very difficult, but, uh, you do, you know, better work and you can be more yourself if you just try to think about it that way. Um, it's still hard though. <laughs> yeah. So more mindfulness. <laughs> yes. Attempted mindfulness. <laughs> <laughs> so you have been working and working and working. And so you have film, TV, voiceover, concert, plays, musicals, and original cast, replacement cast, understudy, workshops, so many credits. Um, What's not on the resume, Christina? What can you tell someone uh, that um, is a misconception about a career in acting? Hmm. You know, I think I was I was talking to Bob, my husband, about this because we were I was thinking about this question, and I I I think that people think it's super cutthroat. I think that you know, in movies and stuff, it's like everyone's out to get each other and like everyone's out for like themselves. And yes, there's certain truth to the fact that you need to be very focused on like what you want and how you're going to get it and what you're going to do to find your success. But I've met so many wonderful, nice people. And to be totally honest, like the ones that are difficult have a harder time consistently working because in the end, Casey Nicola and the, his team wants to work with people that are easy to work with and that are kind and 
gracious. I keep using that word because everybody at Mean Girls is so gracious. And especially Ashley, when I was coming in, just wanting me to feel like it was mine with her. And that, you know, that doesn't happen all the time, but I do think people think it's more of like a, yeah, I'm going to get it. And you're not like all the time. My friends have gotten roles that I was in for, and I am so happy for them. I have gotten an email that says, blah, 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 this pilot, this role. And I go, oh my gosh, my best friend is perfect for this. I pick up the phone. You need to call your agent. You need to go in for this. Like it is this small community of people once you get to a certain point and we all just want the best for each other. And I think people sometimes think it's not that way. Not all the time. There are definitely like difficult people and people where I'm like, I don't want to come anywhere near you. This is not my vibe. Um, but for the most part, it's, it is a wonderful community of people. Um, and I feel safe with them and I feel special with a big group of special people. Um, so that's, I think what sometimes people don't maybe think about, um, you know, other than like people sometimes asking me if I get paid for what I do and then I want to like rip, rip their head off. <laughs> no, I do it for free. Yeah, I do it for free. It's just a hobby. <laughs> so you have been all over and and literally flying to other sides of the planet to film things. Um, what and how did you make the transition into TV and film for those that are also interested in, in doing that? Yeah, I think another possible misconception, and maybe that's changed now over the, the last decade, uh, but when I was in school, you do think you're going to move to New York and only do theater and only do Broadway. There are so many things to do as an actor, as a performer, as an artist in New York City, LA, wherever you are. And I do think that Sometimes, at least, again, when I was in school, it could be totally different now. I think it may be. You don't even think about the fact that, oh, the majority of my auditions coming from my agent are actually on-camera auditions. I didn't have an on-camera class in school. Again, I was only there for a year. But that wasn't something that the musical theater department at my school at the time had access to. And until you're here, you go, oh, I'm auditioning for TV, film, voiceovers, commercials, uh, um, concert appearances, guest artist spots. Like there are so many things that are available to us. And I think with TV and film, it was a natural thing. Not only once I saw that it was an option, I was like, oh, I want that. You know, as a kid, I wanted to be on Broadway, but I also, you know, I want that too. Um, and when, And then I think as I got older, I was like, oh, I'm actually good at that. I have a good look for it. I, and I was like, this is something I'm very serious about. And so I had that transitional conversation with my agents. It can be hard to transition to though, from theater to, to TV and film. But I said, I want to push this. I want to try. And, um, and I'm still am, you know, I haven't done everything I want to do in that yet. I've done a couple of guest stars, a couple of co-stars, um, a movie. And, you know, I, I have so much more I want to untap in that, in that arena. Um, but what's difficult is I very, you know, I'll, you know, I'm very successful at theater and theater takes a lot of time. So when I'm in a show, TV and film is on pause committed. and I'm committed. So I do have to make a decision here if I want to really say I'm focusing on that. And that means a big break from long running theater stuff because it, it, you know, I can't audition right now while I'm in Mean Girls. Um, so, you know, I think, I think that as a young person, I would always say, 
see what you're interested in, but remember that there's all these different things that you could do and that you're going, you're going to probably be auditioning for TV at some point. So it's important to exercise that skill and take a TV film class and, and watch, you know, watch CSI and understand how their rhythm is. And, and, you know, so it is something that is top of my priority list as far as like my next goals. Um, you know, I have dreams about it and I, I want to push as hard as I can to make them happen. Well, we'll be following and watching mm-hmm. and cheering you on. Thanks. Now, what about voiceover? How, how did that crack open for you? And, and is it a whole different technique? Yeah. Voiceover is like a completely different, again, all these things are like under the same umbrella, but completely different, you know, sects. Um, Voiceover was, again, something I've always been interested in. I thought I had a good voice for it. I, you know, I never knew how to do it. And for six years, I had a voiceover agent that was just commercials. I would go in for maybe one every six months. It wasn't a super palpable relationship. And in 2015, so not too far longer, 2016, after American Psycho, I had a meeting with my manager and I was like, I'm really serious about cracking into this world. What can we do? I met with a couple of voiceover agents and I signed with Stuart Talent voiceover department and I am obsessed with them. They have a specific animation department. They have a, they have, and they're so good at what they do. And from that, I started getting an influx. I mean, still now I just did two before I talked to you. I get like five to nine at home records every week. It is like clockwork. I'll do Folgers and I'll do a DreamWorks show and then I'll do, you know, a, a Apple commercial and then I'll do something, you know, it's all these auditions and it's all about volume in that business. Like it's hard. I, I have been heavily auditioning for like this for four years and I've booked a lot of things, but I've also gotten basically most like none of them. So it is a volume. I think it's volume in all of this, but um, I did crack in by booking a recur on Voltron, which was on Netflix, um, a DreamWorks show. I had a four, 13 episode arc on that. Um, and it was the funnest thing I've ever done. And honestly, like I'm addicted to it. So <laughs> I <laughs> like want that so much. It's so fun. It is like being a little kid. Um, and when you do ADR for like Voltron, which is about fighting the bad guys, it's like all this, like, like you just play. And it reminds me that we play for a living and it's a really good way to do that. Cause you're watching yourself as a cartoon and fighting the bad guys. It's, it's really fun. Um, it's been my favorite thing that I didn't realize I would be doing as an actor that has come to me. And I feel very fortunate to have, um, kind of found my way in there. But even with being in there, it's still, God, there's so many voice actors and it's so competitive. So I just do my thing and send it. And sometimes they hit and most of the times they don't. (laughs) So you do a a large volume of auditions. And so you're very acquainted with the no's. But we both know, I think we all know listening, sometimes the no will sting. The the one no that you really, really wanted. you don't have to give us specifics on what that job was, but how do you rebound from that when it, when it is something that you really are attached to? Yeah, it's, it is the most challenging part about what we do because I, I wrestled with this for so long because I do so many 
developmental things. Like I said, for people listening, like readings and workshops and labs, which is pre when a musical or show goes to its, you know, full life. Um, and with that, you don't have a contract, you don't have rights, you don't have anything. So you just do it. And I have been replaced a lot. And and that has been something that has been really, I think more than the nose in the room, that's been the hardest. Because you can't dis you can't detach yourself from a four-week lab of a show that you don't know you're gonna continue with. Because the minute that you close off and say, this probably won't move forward with me, or if it does, I need to protect myself because I can't feel anything about this, like it's gonna destroy me. You do not do good work. You cannot connect to a piece if you are already like protecting yourself by having one foot out the door. And so the thing that I have done is really lean into every experience as something specific. And even if it's my one day being that person in the audition room, I get to be that person for a day, for 15 minutes, for four weeks doing a lab, for a regional tryout like of a show. You know, I've been through the gamut of nose in the room, nose after a workshop, nose after a full production that's transferring from out of town. And it's really hard. And I think if you try to tell yourself it's not disappointing is when you get in trouble is it can hurt. And if it doesn't, if you don't let yourself, you know, like all the things I read, if you don't let yourself have that and allow yourself to feel strongly, you're not going to be you're not going to give enough to ever get anything. And so I do let myself be upset. I do let myself feel disappointed, feel hurt, feel betrayed, disrespected, whatever it is, whatever the emotion is with however it feels. But then you take a second and you go, what's next? That was not, that was not written in the stars for me. There is nothing I can do to change that. So what's next? Let's go. Like, and every time I, it's, I, maybe it's a practice. Maybe it's just my mindset. I have done that. And it really helps me. Um, because it's just, my agent gave me great advice. The first time I got replaced from a big, big project that hurt bad, very bad. She was like, cry about it today. It's okay. But tomorrow get the F over it because this is going to keep happening to you because you have now done it. Congratulations. You're a successful actor in New York city. You will never not be replaced in things. You will never not have to deal with this emotion of feeling completely dug into the ground, come back out of it. And if you don't, then you're not going to make it. And I said, cool. I take that wholeheartedly. Um, it's thick skin, but it's also like, I'm good enough. I am good enough. And if you think for whatever reason, I'm not the person for you, it's not because I'm not good enough. It's not because I'm not capable. It's not because, and they can think whatever they want, but bottom line is it's a business for them too. And so they're going to mm-hmm. do what's best for them. And I need to do what's best for me. So it, it is to the listeners, it is challenging. It will never not be challenging, but you have to make the decision to get past it. Thank you. I'm like, you got to write a book, Miss Brene Brown in the house. Um, so love Brene. With that, the second, <laughs> me too. The second question is, you are juggling a lot, and and you are doing eight shows a week, doing you know self records and all these things at home. So, what are some of your practical tools and tips for finding equanimity, balance, structure, harmony, whatever you want to say, wellness. Yeah. What are some daily things? It can be tough 
because, you know, I'll be at three events during the day. Like yesterday, for instance, I had, um, I woke up in the morning, I showered, kissed my husband, a voiceover came in that was due immediately. So I had to be like, okay, the one hour I had with you, cause he's in tech, I have to go do this Threw the voiceover down, did my makeup, went to a Google talk that we did with mean girls four hours, then went right from there to meeting a friend for a quick coffee, then to the theater. And then I got home at 1130 and I had to do another full voiceover record. And then I went to sleep. So it can be very nonstop back to back. And the thing that's helped me the most is that like, I think it's fun. <laughs> I actually like it. I, I, I think that there's a, a line where you go, okay, this is going to be to my detriment now. I need to like sleep. Um, and I need to have time with my husband, but there's a balance. Like, yes, I had that day, but today I get to talk to you. And then I get to go, you know, have, I get to do dinner with my husband before I do my show. And, you know, I did have my coffee date with my friend yesterday. That was part of it, but it's like, you pick and choose what your priorities are. And to me, it's all a priority. So I do it all and I want to do it all. Um, and sometimes that works out better than others. You know, double duty with a Broadway show is really hard. Like if I have a 10 to six rehearsal process and then I do the show and that wears on anybody. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, I just think there's so much goodness and I just feel happy to be busy. Um, but I do find my moments no matter what, even if it's at the breakfast table for five minutes, three things that I'm grateful for every morning with Bob, we each, we go back and forth. You can never have a repeat. So that's like a practice of ours. Um, you know, when I bow at the end of my show, I think I say thank you to the universe every single time. And that will never go away because I think that every opportunity I get as an actor is a gift. Um, and I take it very seriously. And I, and I also just believe that it's, I mean, it's a gift. I, it's what we do is a gift. And the fact that I get to keep doing it is a gift. Um, and I, And so with those little practices and I read on the subway or sometimes on the subway, I'll meditate. I take the time that I am given, even if it's my 30 minute subway ride. That's my meditation time. That's my time for me. I listen to Harry Potter. That's my time to do an Instagram post or, you know, text lovey-dovey things to my husband or text my mom and be like, I miss you. So you just find a way. There's always time, (laughs) even when it feels like there isn't. Um, And Deepak said something on on a talk I was listening to, the people that say they don't have time to meditate should meditate twice a day. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that the truth? Yes. (laughs) So I always try. So speaking of having fun and doing all the things, you're also a musician, Mm -hmm. the flautist, piano, guitar, ukulele. Again, like, are you actively practicing all these things or do they float into your life when it, when the universe says it's time to like pick up an instrument and make some music? It's more so that, you know, flute I've known since I was 11. So that is a skill that will never go away. So if someone calls and is like, we need a concert flautist, which they never do, by the way, <laughs> I've played my flute maybe twice in my career. Um, I can pick it up very quickly. Guitar and piano is very different. I am a beginner at both, but I can pianos better than a guitar. Um, if I practiced, I would be much better, but things get in the way. And, you know, I don't get that much reach out, but it is funny when I get an audition, that's like accompany yourself. I'm like, well, you should have been practicing. So it is like, again, you have to pick and choose what you want to work on. Um, so if I do work on an instrument, I am working more on guitar versus flute because guitar is more 
um, people ask for that more. They ask more for piano um, than flute. So I work on those instruments more, but they're not my strongest. Um, so I always go in and out. Like when I have the time, I'm like, I should pick that up again. <laughs> um, but, you know, <laughs> being a musician has helped me immensely because I can sight read very fast as a singer, um, <clears throat> which people appreciate. And, uh, and yeah, so I love it. And I'll always be a musician, but it is amazing when you look back and you're like, oh, I haven't touched the guitar in a year. You're like, you should probably mm-hmm. do that. <laughs> So you, you touched on social media and, and obviously you know what it is that I do. So can you talk about your day-to-day relationship with social media and how, how you use it as a tool? Yeah. You know, social media for me has changed immensely since joining Mean Girls. Immensely. I, I, my entire relationship has gone like a full like 180 with what I use it for and how I, my connection with it in general. Um, you know, I... I had my Instagram before it was pretty active, like with my like core following of people. Um, but this show like kind of exploded my, my Instagram a little bit. And so it has been interesting for it to change from an Instagram for my friends and some diehard fans to the 25,000 mean girls followers that are following me. It is a different game. It's, it's not even a game. It's, it's, I take it seriously. I do think that like people that poo poo it, I don't agree with that. I also don't think that it's, it means anything at the same time. It means it, it's a tool. It doesn't mean anything about you because I'm the same actress that I was when I had 3,000 followers and now when I, when I have 25,000 followers and a blue check mark. I have not changed. My belief in things have not changed. My skill as an actor has not changed. The only thing that changes is I'm in a commercial hit that has the fan base to support that. And so honestly, when that number started going up, cause I was always like, I wonder what it'd be like to have that many followers. Like, what would that feel like? It feels like nothing. It feels the same. If, <laughs> if you're like, oh, you guys just like, didn't know that I existed. And now you do because I'm Gretchen Wieners, which I totally am grateful for. Don't get me wrong, but it is an interesting exercise. And like, what really changed? Nothing, nothing really. Um, but I do, uh, I, I do use it more specifically now. Um, I don't, it is a business tool only. It used to kind of be both. Um, uh, it is no longer that. It really is. I want my followers to feel engaged with me in Mean Girls. I, I respect them all so much. They write to me. I love, I love interacting with them at Stage Door on social media. They are so supportive of our show. They're so supportive of me. Um, and I want them to feel heard. That's why they follow me. Um, so I do a lot of Q and A's, especially cause with this also, it's not only mean girls fans, it's young actors that, that want to know my experience. I get so many questions when I open my question thing about how do you get through auditions? What can I do to prep? And that stuff I love. I love teaching. I love that part of it. Um, so I really have opened it up more as like, you know, for right now I'm in mean girls. So it's kind of all mean girls content. Cause that's what I've got going on and trying to connect with young people and young actors, Um, and I just, I take it really seriously. I take social media very seriously and I think it's a tool and I think it was a tool when I had less followers as well. I think that it's not about the number, um, at all. So I just, I know I I value it a lot for what it is. 
I could talk to you all day, but unfortunately we are running low on time and I want to highlight some of the work that you're doing. So if you, if people have questions for you or they want to learn more, what is your Instagram handle where they can go ask you all, all the things they want to know? Yeah. Um, I'm on Instagram at Christina Alabato. So no, no dots, no spaces, just at Christina Alabato. Shazam. There she is. (laughs) Um, so I know that you have an upcoming class with Desi. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Me and Desi, you know, we started this pop rock Broadway thing. We had had ideas about this kind of stuff for a long time. I had, she had separately, we kind of came together this year and it just sort of clicked. Um, and both of us have more gone down this pop rock, um, trajectory in this business, folk and things. Uh, so we are doing this. Our first class sold out in a couple of days, which is awesome. And so we opened up a second class and, um, on November 3rd, 10 to one in New York city. And, uh, we're going to start getting guest teachers up in here, all focused on pop rock specific voice technique and audition technique and all that stuff. Um, and we have a lot of ideas for it. We're really excited. It, It was very, um, right for us to do that. We felt really good about it. And, um, Desi's my, still one of my best friends from Evita. So, um, um, but yeah. Shout out to Desi, who's a delight and an amazing human. Totally. I love her. Um, (laughs) but yeah, we're excited about this new venture for us. I think it was the right time for both of us. So we'll see how it goes. We're super excited to teach and we both teach separately. Um, so it was just kind of combining forces, um, which we're so pumped about. I do want to zoom in on teaching because it's a page on your website. Um, so what do you, do you love it? Is that why you do it? And if so, like, are you still offering private coaching and teaching in your copious amounts of free time? Um, and I have university (laughs) professors that, that listen in. Are you interested in going and teaching more master classes? Like what's teaching for you? It's all types of things. You know, I started getting it really into it, it was because of touring. So all the tours, you know, they would be like, can you teach this masterclass at this university? Can you do a Q and a with this senior class at this school? And I love it. I love sharing what I've learned with young people trying to do this. And even if it helps one student or, you know, that's why on my website, I'm more, I, my goal would be to try to be more of like a career coach, an audition prep coach, like, you know, someone that wants to move to New York for from college and sit down once a week and talk about, or, or once a month or whenever they need, what do I do this week? How can I fix my resume? Which EPAs should I go to? Who should I be talking to? What should I be doing mentally? How do I get prepared for this? Like, is this song good for my audition? Can I run my audition with you? How does it feel? That is the, the vein that I'm more interested in. I do teach some vocal technique and some things. I'm not a voice teacher. Um, so I really thrive in like audition like pop rock Broadway, what me and Desi are doing, it's your 32 bar cut audition. We're going to tweak it so that you can sound more pop rocky. That's our goal for that and get you prepped for going in for those pop rock shows. Um, but I, and then we're going to do a big Q and a, and I just, that's why I do the Q and A's on my Instagram. I want people to feel like they have more information from people on the ground doing it. Um, I would have loved that at that age. And, um, and every time I do it, it feels like, there's a lot taken from it. And I love it. I want people to be successful. I want people to come here and not quit if they don't get it in six months, like stick it out, push. Like I just believe in that so much. And I think if more students heard it from us, I I just can't imagine that wouldn't help. And so I, I'm very serious about that. And yes, for people listening in, 
Desi and I's goal is to be able to take our masterclass to universities and colleges and really focus on pop rock because that is the direction that Broadway is going. And you have to be able to straight tone and mix and, and sound authentically pop, not brought a Broadway singer singing pop. And me and Desi have always been that. So we were like, why wouldn't we try to help the next generation feel confident singing pop rock, folk, country, all that stuff. So I'm just super passionate about it. I love young people and I want, I want to help and it feels good and I love it. And I feel like it makes a difference and I want to. <laughs> it does. You're blowing me away with this interview. So I'm super excited to share it. <laughs> um, Christina, it's been a delight and just, you know, your everything that is out there is, is incredible and, and your resume and your career and your words, like your light, your humanity that you're sharing today um, are all stellar. So yes. something I like to ask all the guests is how do you personally define success? Because I know it's different being on the inside. So how do you define that word? You know, it's easy to say success is being on Broadway. Success is booking a recur on a voiceover. Success is this. To me, I feel most successful when I feel like me. And me is not just being Gretchen Wieners and Mean Girls on Broadway. It is having friends that are so supportive and having empathy for those people around me going through the same thing that I am. I That's why even when I audition, I never sit and look at the person next to me and I'm like, you better not get it. It really is like, one of us is going to get it and it's going to change our life. And that's freaking great. And if it's you, that was your destiny. And I respect that. And so I think success for me has changed because that to me and having the insight has set me free in a way that like, I didn't quite realize that it would because it changes what your life is about. And life, my life is theater and acting. I love it. It is, it makes me so happy and fulfills me more than anything, but success in itself is doing what I'm doing and still being myself and not feeling like I have to be somebody else or be cutthroat or be this or be that. I just get to be me. And that means being happy for somebody that took a role from me or, or, you know, coming home and having pizza with my husband and just chilling out and having fun and helping someone with audition sides and being on Broadway and bowing at the end of the night. All of that is success. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I think. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So what is down, what's coming down the pipeline for you? Are, are there things that you can share with us? Gosh, you know, not at this right now, not much, you know, always, I'm always in a reading or in a workshop of something. Um, so it's, you know, there's always stuff developing, but you, you know, with that kind of stuff, it's like, you never know. So I'm always doing a reading. Concerts are always happening. So you can check on my page to see when I'm performing where. Um, but right now I'm in Mean Girls until March and then we'll see what happens. I don't, I don't know. So um, right now that's kind of all I, all I know. Great. Yeah. Well, I'm, I know that there will be exciting <laughs> announcements ahead. Um, what is the best place to stay connected to you? Like where should we go? Best place is my Instagram at Christina Alabato. All my info is there and um, I'm pretty active on there and I post a lot and um, yeah, that's where you should follow me. Thank you so much for being here, my dear. Yeah, thanks for having me, Tony. 
thank you, Christina, for giving us so much of your time. And also thank you for allowing us into your ears. Now, I hope that you're feeling inspired after this episode. And if that's the case, please share it with a friend. Of course, I would also love it if you take a screenshot and share your gratitude with Christina or your biggest takeaway and tag both of us so that I can see it. If you want to connect with Christina, you can follow her at Christina Alabado. That's K-R-Y-S-T-I-N-A-A-L-A-B-A-D-O. And I will link to that in the show notes. Or you can visit her website at ChristinaAlabado.com. Of course, you can find me at Tony Howell or TonyHowell.me. And this is only one of the many episodes ahead and behind us. And so if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, I would encourage you to subscribe and go check out what we've got going on. If you would, I would also love it if you would leave a review. Now, once more, this is October, which in the Tony Howell community is hashtag business future month. So I want to hear from you. I want you in a social media post to take us behind the scenes of how you are working in your business. Take a post, hashtag it business future month, tag me to make sure I see it, but I'm interested in seeing how you're taking your business or even our industry into 2020. Thank you so much for listening and I wish you an awesome day, boss. ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.